of young heroes called the Animorphs. Hello and welcome to Middlemorph Millennials, the podcast that I started to force my friends to read Animorphs and yell at them about how to escape from the Yerks as you're running through the forest. My name is Morgan. And my name is Kate. And my name is Jason, and I've been drinking. (laughs) (laughs) I have not, because I am sick. Because you're a professional. (laughs) Were you drinking at the potential venues you were looking at? We had had lunch, and then... um, the venue we were looking for before they just like their list of beers were were not acceptable and then we when we actually did tour we were like hey is it possible to bring an outside beer and then they were like yes you know there's just a small fee and then we were like okay great then there's this place we really like and we um want to go there and see if they um you know sold kegs and everything so um that'd be fun yeah yeah so yeah cool yeah hopefully something better than coors For our wedding, they screwed us over on the location. So, well, like, they accidentally double booked us. So they moved our wedding to a different location on the premises. And then they waived the corkage fee and the, the, like, ceremony fee. So we got to bring in wine for free, which saved us a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I remember helping you out with the, with the, what was it? Was it the wine wine labels? labels. It was the wine labels. Yeah. Yeah, I remember helping you out with that. Those damn corkage you might as well buy two bottles of wine per bottle yeah right yeah and then if you do the in-house wine it's like the same price (laughs) Uh, keeping everybody boozed (sighs) and happy at a wedding is no mean feat oh god especially with my family (laughs) (laughs) looking well (laughs) we are um, a little off topic but we are talking about you know children morphing into animals And specifically, yeah, we're talking about yeah, the book, Red Tail Hawk, a Tobias book. Yes, and finally, yes. somebody gets a really useful morph. <laughs> <laughs> yes, finally. Yeah, it was really fun. So we're talking about book number thirteen, The Change, which yep. is a Tobias book, and it was really funny. I was uh, when I was going back and editing twelve. You. Jason, you were like, they need to acquire Hork Vajir. And I was like, wait five <laughs> seconds. They're going to do it tomorrow. More of them really need to acquire Hork Vajir. It can't just be two. Right. Everybody right. should have this in their yeah. morph repertoire. It doesn't matter if we're repeating ourselves. This will come in handy. <laughs> right? Let right. everybody has to be unique. Yes, exactly. <laughs> everybody has to bring something to the table. It's like, it's okay. Be a part of the herd. The Hork Bajir herd. <laughs> And the cover for this one um, is a spoiler, I guess. It's <laughs> Tobias, t- bird, Hawk Tobias morphing into his human self, which I will again start my video. Oh my which god, is funny I did the, not get the that. Model... Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Well, because it can it can go either way if you look. I did. I read it up, from down from like, up. <laughs> yeah, but also it's like the the. Um, the child model is like totally brunette, like dark brown hair, like when Tobias is supposed to be blonde. So it just, it just little, looks like Jake. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thing about that, right? <laughs> and you can see, well, okay, so and on the book covers, the head of the morph is always cut out. So you can see on this one that the hawk is not cut out, but the person head is cut out so that you can see in into the inner cover. So that's how you can tell that it's, uh, that's the morph order. Is that hawk hawk boy morphing into boy boy? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we gave it away, but Tobias gets his morphing power back in this book. <laughs> but yeah, if you if you see the cover, it gives it away, and obviously it had to happen sooner or later because he can't just be 
boy turning into hawk on every cover for the rest of the series. There's only so many ways apparently we can illustrate that. (laughs) Yeah, so like I was saying before we started recording, there's before this book and after this book. Like it's kind of like book four in that you get you get axe out of it. At book thirteen you get Tobias gets his morphing power back and some other things also. So it's uh an important Ooh, one. And I liked this book. Lucky 13. This was a fun Tobias book. I, I mean, I liked the other Tobias book as well. Um, but this one was great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was like a good... Um, I don't like... Uh, well, obviously, the, the ending is really important. But I liked... Um, I just felt like... How do I say this? Like, not like world expanding, but... I don't know, just like some uh, the hmm. some world building. Well, yeah, more world building, char- like new characters that were great, and just like feelings. I just thought like it was like, but it wasn't like a super. Mm, I, I I'm not doing a really great job of this. I liked it too. <laughs> I agree fully with Kate. It was a good book. <laughs> My hot take. It's an action movie. In comparison to some of the others, uh, like some of the other books are kind of like a little bit flash in the pan, like just kind of funny, or it's like a little sitcommy on some of them with especially how they thwart Bizzer 3 in certain ones. This one was actually like cool. There was like action and you know uh, a race and uh, re- recurring um, characters like the Elemist coming back and things tying in together a little bit more. But it wasn't all about yeah. Tobias being mopey and emo. It was about like yeah okay and this is how it is for me right now and what can I do about it and he can do a lot. <laughs> Yeah, he was a little angry bird. Yeah, for a he's little a sassy bit bird you in know. certain areas. Yeah. <laughs> he was tired of it, but like Tobias, also it was um, crap. <laughs> I am my brain today, but it was um, it was it was really great. I feel like it was really a strong character development for Tobias. We've seen this over the books, but I think he really. Um, his personality, I think, just gets keeps getting stronger and stronger. I think he's one of the most mature, yeah. like him and Cassie, out of all of them. Oh, Cassie! Oh my God, I had this. She, bu- she had, she bugged me for like. I mean, she, uh, talked about it before in previous cast, but previous books, about certain things she bugged me. But we'll talk about it when we get to it. But she, she bugged me once in this book, and I was like, "Girl, <laughs> get over it. Stop it. I, this is gonna be a recurring thing." <laughs> like. That's how I feel too. And as I've gotten older, I've related a little bit more to Cassie. But also, I'm like, like, okay, we got to do what we got to do. But get down to business to defeat the Yerks. The Yerks. The Yerks. <laughs> You're gonna say the Huns, aren't you? I know, but I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't rhyme. It's not close enough. <laughs> Everybody will get it. I feel like this book is a really good snapshot of where all the characters are at. Um, oh my Rachel god, Rachel getting an award. Me. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, Rachel. Like, this is so Rachel. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And and even like Marco and Jake get some good characterization, ooh. even though they're not around for that much. Yeah, there's some Marco moments. We'll come across those where I'm just like, <laughs> Marco, wow, sexism much. <laughs> I wrote that down too. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll get to it. <laughs> well, do you guys kind of want to start diving in? Yes. It's a good Tobias book. <laughs> yes. So, yes. uh, the Tobias book that we are reading, it, did, Morgan, did you already say this? That it is called The Change? And yes. let's dive in. So, this book opens up with Tobias in his meadow, his territory in the early morning. He wait, was waiting to see any movement in the grass, and then he like zeroed in on like a blade of grass moving, and it was a field mouse. 
He caught the mouse uh, for breakfast, and in true Tobias fashion then was quickly reflecting on his previous human life and how he has no real family that had cared for him, <laughs> and uh, nobody's really looking for him in his past life anymore, and so now he's permanently a hawk, and he has accepted it. And so cue the thermals. It wouldn't be a Tobias book without them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Drink. So good. <laughs> no more. Please, no more. <laughs> Play the bingo. Uh, Animorphs bingo. So Tobias flew higher in the air after his breakfast, riding the warm air currents, and he spotted Axe uh, running below him in the forest. Uh, Axe was eating by crushing the grass beneath his hooves as he ran and absorbed the nutrients. Then Tobias flew out towards the school, and he spotted his fellow Animorphs through the windows of their classrooms. Jake was falling asleep at his desk. Cassie was poking at him to stay awake. <laughs> and Marco, uh, being the class clown that he was, uh, was distracting the whole class, much to the chagrin of his teacher. I really like this method of introducing the characters because it's literally like Tobias outside looking into what he can't have. But then we also get like a little mini, like Cassie's the responsible one. Jake has a lot of responsibilities, so he's falling asleep in class. Marco is the class clown. So we get a snapshot of all of them, and but also it's characterizing the means by which we get a snapshot of them is also characterizing Tobias feeling like an yeah, outsider. Yeah, no, I thought it was good methodology. Yeah, I feel like it'd be like a really great intro scene for like a TV show. Yeah. Like open the, yeah. open the episode very much like. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like The Simpsons opening like looking through the windows at each of the characters Simpsons. (laughs) i I was thinking about this yesterday but like some tv shows like the simpsons i was thinking about this about south park have been like alive just as long as us now and you're like i've literally been watching a tv show for pretty much my entire life child and adult and you're just like wow wow yeah think about the people who create uh, create that show how old that makes them feel too (laughs) (laughs) Tobias spied Rachel walking down the hall towards the gym. He called down to her and thought speak to say hi, and she couldn't respond since she was not in morph, but she gave him a small wave acknowledging him just in case like anybody else was looking. He could read the slip of paper she was carrying and that the slip of paper said she was getting an award from the school for being an outstanding student, and the ceremony uh, was dated to be on Monday. And today was Friday. So Tobias knew Rachel wouldn't flaunt something like this to him so as not to hurt his feelings because as a hawk, he couldn't attend and support her like the rest of the Animorphs. And so he called down to her and said, oh, well, hey, I have something to show you after school. And he tried to sound perky. My Yerk pool mapping project is paying off. Want to go flying after last period? And Rachel gave a small nod and smile and to him and Tobias flew away, pondering if he had to do it all over again, if he would make the same choice and become a hawk or stay a human. I have one thing to say about this, isn't about Rachel's award. Isn't it hilarious how in the last book Chapman called her to the office to be like, Your A is an A minus. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is everything okay at home? <laughs> Just know. the rando check in of yeah, you're you're not doing as stellar by like one minute iota of a grade. And now here's yeah. an award. Here's an award. <laughs> uh, that was a weird one. So I guess that mouse experiment. I guess that mouse experiment worked out in what was that like book Cassie's seven? Book, no, that'd be book eight or nine. Nine. Oh, okay. So Cassie was the one with the D in in yeah. science. Yeah. Not, not Rachel. Rachel, Rachel was Never there mind. just to cause problems. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Uh, here's a side note before we start uh, going into it. Finally, it took so freaking long for them to come back and to try to sabotage the Yerk pool. We talked a little bit uh, about this before Mike uh, and uh, starting to record. But it was book one when we were introduced to the Yerk pool. And then Rachel's book seven when we hit the Yerk pool uh, again and they were met the Elemist at that point. But now it takes book 13 for them to even mention that, yes, the Yerk pool is still around and they should probably do some recon around it and figure out where more entrances <laughs> are freaking located. Thank you, Tobias, for finally remembering, oh, yeah, there's something that's always around that we could use to decimate the Yerks, but we just keep forgetting how to do it because apparently we're time traveling and doing all this other shit. <laughs> Keep it everybody on task. Yeah, yeah. Just please get in line. Real, real group leader. Yeah. Honestly. So Tobias finally has the right idea. He's been uh, tailing known controllers for weeks to find out where other entrances to the Ark Pool are located. So he's been following Chapman and his wife around, and then he also apparently has been following a reporter and a policewoman that they know to be controllers. Somehow it's not really mentioned how they know this, and also Tom. After school, Tobias found a bald eagle flying above the mall, and it was Rachel. He explained uh, he now knows he found four separate ways into the Yerk Pool besides the entrance that they know about through the mall. So let's start, like, kind of tallying as we go through this. Like, we got at least a few more entrances now that we know of, but they seem to somehow always forget they're around each book and don't go back there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes they close them off. Yeah, but I mean, also, you think the first time they went there, very first book, I mean, they, I mean, Tobias got stuck in his bird morph and they, like, almost got owned, like... I know they got to go back there, but I would not be too eager. It does not. It seems like the most dangerous place to be. Yeah. They have done this before because, okay, Cassie killed the Valik by turning into a whale. If they drop Cassie in whale morph from the top of uh, the, you know, the above cavern of the Yerk Pool, and she can go down and just splash and crush every single Yerk inside the Yerk Pool in her whale morph, that would be a very effective way of taking out a shit ton of Yerks. I feel like they wouldn't have enough, she wouldn't have enough time to fully morph, even if they dropped her from the ceiling and because she barely had time to demorph and then remorph one more time and then she's got to make sure none of them get in her ears and then well ears are very high up. Are, <laughs> but, but the um the earth pools are very shallow right yeah i don't think they're that deep right that might hurt her <laughs> even as yeah, like a freaking whale but like she's not falling into like something like if it's like a foot or two of like juice and then it's like ground. It's just like smack. <laughs> like, just, you can dive down underneath it. So it's at oh, least probably like six feet or so. So Rachel said with this information, they can now better deduce who uh, more controllers are and with who is coming and going from the York pool. And Tobias said, so congratulations, I guess, huh? Packard Foundation Outstanding Student Award. Uh, Tobias mentioned to Rachel as they were flying, and Rachel was fly- uh, silent for a few seconds. Did someone tell you? Oh, no, of course not. You saw the letter in my notebook. And Tobias said, just call me old Hawkeye. <laughs> and Rachel said, Tobias, you know how much I wish she could come. I mean, Cassie will be there, but she's great. And you know, Marco will just be making snide remarks, and Jake will be trying not to laugh. And she trailed off, and Tobias said, it's no big deal. The only thing I is just don't hide stuff from me because you think it will hurt my feelings, but I can't handle you feeling sorry for me. And Rachel lied and said, I don't feel sorry for you. Tobias said, yeah, Tobias said, good. I noted here. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I noted, I noted here that Rachel, it says Rachel lied like in the narration and, 
And I'm like, is that Tobias saying that? Or is that the narrator saying that? Is that just Tobias's perception of Rachel? Or is it true that she does feel sorry for him? But Tobias is supposed to be the narrator. So it's a little I bit like I think Tobias is, is projecting that onto Rachel. If, if we're staying true to Tobias yeah. being the narrator of this book. Yeah. I also think there was a, a, a line. I thought that was kind of important between them. It's like um, Tobias responds to her after Rachel says, like, I got to feel sorry for her. He's like, good, because you know how you think about me is sort of important. I know. And I was like, oh, is he admitting Yeah, that? Like, I highlighted that line too. Because it goes afterwards, he says, Tobias winced and he, he says, I sounded way too sincere. I mean, what was I thinking? Rachel's a human, a real human, and I'm a hawk. You think Romeo and Juliet were doomed? just uh from being from families that didn't like each other well you can't get any more doom than caring for someone who isn't who isn't even the same species lol just wait two to three decades (laughs) (laughs) just wait one more book geez oh my goodness wait a minute does axe fall in love with the hork bajir does he go after the hork bajir wife (laughs) (laughs) no no (laughs) I would, wa- I would, I would watch that just out of pure, pure intrigue. Sorry, spoiler, guys. Two Hork Bajir show up here, lay in the book, but it's not a spoiler; it's a teaser. <laughs> oh, I that would be funny. Well, we're we're reading Hork Bajir Chronicles next, by the way. Well, yeah, um, this this would be the Hork Bajir uh, Chronicle soap opera if that's the case. If Axe falls in love with the Hork Bajir wife and try uh, to take her I away. Think- but the acting, you know, would be so good with those full, complete sentences, <laughs> very full of emotion. Uh, and Axe also interspersing like his rando facts that he's learned about from the Guinness World Book of Record. <laughs> <laughs> so Tobias and Rachel flew uh, off uh, towards one of the entrances and it was at the car wash, apparently. So they flew onward and Tobias kind of like was starting to zone out uh, with the euphoria of flying and he was a little bit, you know, just kind of lost in his own thoughts. And then Rachel pointed out that they were not headed towards the car wash. Tobias snapped alert. They were actually near Cassie's farm by the forest that was bordering their town. They had... Uh, they thought that was weird. So they turned hard and flapped towards the car wash again. And then Rachel pointed out that they were somehow still in the same spot and they had not traveled anywhere. Tobias was getting weirded out. Something was off. He didn't mess up on directions or not know where he was actually going. But with his hawk vision, he spotted something odd in the amongst the trees. An old oak tree was actually sliding to one side, opening up a hole in the ground. And out of the hole emerged two hork bajir. Dun dun dun. Rachel pointed out these hork bajir actually look scared. Suddenly, a deafening alarm sounded, screeching up through the hole where the hork bajir emerged, and the lizard aliens like jumped in fright and grabbed each other's taloned hands and started to run. They ran fast, slashing through the field and then through the forest with their bladed arms, running for their lives. Tobias checked on Rachel's morph time. She said she had an hour left, so they decided to follow these hork bajir. From the hole, human controllers carrying guns started to pour out. The Yurks were going after these hork bajir, but it seemed like they were being careful. They were only sending humans and not other controller hork bajir after them, so there was less of a chance that normal people would see these strange aliens running around. Tobias and Rachel deduced that these hork bajir look like they're escaping the Yurks, but the human controllers now started to pursue them, uh, and some of them started to pull dirt bikes out of the hole. And the hork uh, and Rachel pointed out like a hork bajir is fast, but not faster than a dirt bike. 
They watched as the human controllers easily sped after the two hork and they started to fire wildly at them with their rifles. And great action scene. Honestly, you got guns, dirt bikes. This whole book is pretty much like, a continuous big action scene. It's it's a good action movie. Yeah. It, it, I feel like it, we're going to go over it really fast because it's just like action, 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 and not as much, not as reflective. I mean, Tobias does have some reflecting time, but a lot of it is like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, it's not a lot of, I mean, later we'll get some plot pivotal points, but a lot of action leading up to not a lot of in-depth character reflection. It's not a Cassie book, uh, pondering mm-hmm. about skunks. Right. <laughs> Sorry, my heater's on in this end, if that's good, pick up on the mic. This is... I don't hear it, but... So Rachel said grimly, this is all going to be over in 10 seconds. What are we going to do? And Tobias asks, you want to actually help the hork And Rachel said, have you ever heard of the saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend? The Yerks want these two hork dead. That's good enough for me. Uh, Tobias said, me too. We have to use thought speak and talk to them directly. And Rachel said, let's do it. I, there's one word I just wanted to point out is Tobias used the word incred, or the author used the word incred, incredulously. Incredulously, yes. <laughs> yes. I just want to say, very strong word. S-A-T, S-A-T word. S-A-T word. Let's just <laughs> put it out there. Uh, points for bonus word. That's funny because my bonus word uh, was reckless because that is like the only word that they use to describe Rachel for the next like 30 books. <laughs> <laughs> And so we could put that on the bingo card, to be honest. It's like Animorphs vocab, because Tobias says, Rachel's so brave, she's just short of being reckless. I like that about her. Ooh, he likes the (laughs) dangerous side. Yeah, he likes the dangerous side. (laughs) Tobias would have smiled uh, if he had a mouth. Rachel is so brave, she's just short of being reckless. And he likes that about her. (laughs) Tobias called down to them. Hey, Hork Bajir down there. He saw them stagger, and though they were shocked and amazed to be hearing thought speak, like that was their major problem. <laughs> Tobias said, you're about 10 seconds away from being dead. Listen to me, and you just might get out of this alive. He told them to stop tearing up the foliage because they're easily leading the others right to them. And then he told the hork to jump left just as a pair of motorcycles zoomed past them, missing by them by a few feet. Flying overhead, Tobias directed them to run uh, a new direction, and Rachel asked if he had a plan. Tobias admitted he didn't. She asked if he knew of a place where they could actually hide these hork and he said there was a cave he knew of that could possibly work. Just then, Tobias saw up ahead a pair of pickup trucks coming around the road to cut the hork off, who were still running through the woods. Tobias called back down to them. Okay, you guys, cut to your right now. There's a ditch, but there are a couple of controllers in your way, so you need to pass the big rock pile there and keep it on your left. And then the hork like, hesitated, missing a couple of steps, and looked around in confusion. Did you guys hear me? Tobias called down. Rachel said, they hear you. I think the instructions are too complicated. Okay, uh, Tobias said. In that case, let's play follow the leader. He took a deep breath and glanced around to make sure he knew exactly where he was. And then Tobias spilled a little air from his wings and tried to keep all the speed he could and drop down into the trees. All right, time to play follow the big birdie. Tobias zoomed over their heads. Yeah, it's me, the big brown bird with a pretty red tail. Follow me and stay close. Rachel stayed above, shouting uh, at, at him as the approaching controllers kept surrounding them, and Tobias dodged through the trees, flying fast with a hork right on him. He tried not to smash into all the tree trunks, but it was a very narrow miss. Bullets were shooting around them, and they tried to dodge the controllers. 
Tobias was flying so fast and trying not to think of all the different bird territories he was crossing, birds that would actually kill him if he slowed down at all. Rachel exclaimed uh, that a helicopter was approaching, and Tobias knew that they would be dead meat if the helicopter zeroed in on them before they could lose their pursuers that were on foot. So he called out the hork to see if they could swim, and he said if they can, cut down the nearest sapling to signal for yes, and they cut down a sapling, and he's like, all right, good, you can swim, we're going to get you into the water to get away from all these yurks. So to get to the hork uh, to get the hork to the stream in time, Rachel and Tobias realized they would be at first intercepted by the armed trucks. So he instructed the hork to keep running, and then Tobias flew back up with Rachel. And they kind of reset themselves and then dive-bombed the trucks and the human controllers uh, in the backs of the truck trunk beds with uh, guns in their hands. And so they dive-bombed them and raked their talons over their eyes to blind them. Just as the trucks and gun... Uh, bingo? Yeah. Just as the trucks and gunmen were distracted, the hork came barreling out of the woods. One jumped and cleared the first truck, and the second uh, slammed and crashed into the other truck. The first hork was up but not running. Tobias was close enough to hear him bellow in a full voice of despair. Kalasi, Kalasi, Move, you idiot! Tobias screamed at the hork the two trucks had braked in a cloud of dust and dirt, fishtailing wildly on the narrow dirt road. Guys were peeling out of the cabs, armed to the teeth. From the edge of the woods, just down the road, three dirt bikes roared into sights. Boom, boom, blam, blam, blam. The hork froze. He looked up to me and I shot past him. He said, no, my Kalashi, my wife. I'm really having a hard time not trying to say Khaleesi right now. <laughs> Kalashi. I know. Close enough. <laughs> wife, Tobias said incredulously. Sorry. Wife, Rachel echoed. That may have been the last word Tobias ever expected to hear a hork say. You'll be dead in two seconds, he snapped at the hork after um, recovering from the shock. Run or you're good, no good to anyone. And he ran. Tobias guided him to a stream concealed by vegetation, and the hork jumped into the water and disappeared. So, like a snake. Like a snake. And we cut to end, end of action, action sequence, sequence one. one, but we'll get back to it very shortly. And we cut to a new scene. So, wife? Excuse me, you said wife? Marco asked incredulously. We got a lot of incredulously today. You mean that there's such a thing as a female hork This is where we're going to get into some problematic Marco talk, okay, that we alluded to before. <laughs> we love it. Oh, <laughs> Let's talk oh, about it. Oh my gosh. Uh, I guess so, Tobias said. We didn't really have time to ask. It was late afternoon. They were all back in Cassie's barn. Even Axe was there with his own Andalite body. Tobias was in the rafters as a lookout to make sure no one would randomly walk in on all of them and see Axe. So, Marco, sexism, here we go. <laughs> How exactly do you tell a man hork from a woman hork Marco asked. Do the women put makeup on their wrist blades? Do they use nail polish on those big nasty toes of theirs? Rachel rolled her eyes. We didn't have a chance to go into that, all right? We barely got the one hork to the cave. I mean, do female hork cry at chick movies, Marco went on, talking mostly to himself. Do they all go goo-goo when they see a baby? What about the female, Jake asked Rachel and Tobias. Rachel shrugged and looked away. We don't know, Tobias said. We saw her get knocked down to a ditch and that was it. Man, this whole thing stinks. It's a trap and it's a setup, Marco said. But I think the real question is, do female hork get all weird around bugs and snakes? I don't think so. About the trap, I mean, said Tobias. 
Weird around bugs and snakes, Cassie asked with a raised eyebrow. Is that how girls are, Marco? <laughs> and with that, she reached into the lower drawer but, uh, below row of cages and she threw a snake at Marco. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Marco yes. goes, ah, get it off me. And Cassie then retrieved the harmless garden garden snake and put it back in the drawer while everybody laughed, except Axe, who doesn't always get human humor. <sighs> Marco. <laughs> I love no. that moment. I know. Gosh. <laughs> so good <laughs> so annoyed i think he's he's mostly trying to annoy cassie and rachel with the I comments i think i've I remarked think... on this before marco desperately needs an older sister to whip him into shape if he had some more female <laughs> uh positive female influence in his lives uh i think it would put him in his place a little bit better <sighs> yeah it's painful reading those comments it's like mm. dude oh <laughs> like... god also, it's a horpagier. The fuck do you care about its like gender presentation? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I like how they're like. I didn't even know there were female horpagier. It's like, how did you think they made it's more? It's the same thing with dwarves and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, obviously they're female dwarves. <laughs> oh my! Oh my gosh! We were watching Witcher season two, and they showed a female yeah. dwarf, and it was just a. Fe- it was just like a, how you would think a female dwarf would be, just with yeah, the beard. she was rocking the beard. It was great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, oh, I think it's the first time I've seen a female dwarf like portrayed in media because usually it's like it's, it's a mystery. All alluded we don't to know all where they are. No, or she they're... looked great. It was awesome. <laughs> Discworld, shameless Discworld plug. They ha- they have basically the same thing except it's like female dwarves. There's like every all f- dwarves are assumed to be male until one female dwarf comes out as a woman, and it's like a whole thing. So this world. Oh, they also did it actually in the second um, Snow White movie with Chris Hemsworth. They actually did have the female dwarves. That's right. Oh, cool. I need to read more of the Discworld books. I started and uh, I liked it so far. So I want to continue. They're good books. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Cassie pointed out that it was very fortuitous that Tobias and Rachel happened upon the hork escaping when they did. Tobias admitted that it was not where he was flying, where he, Tobias admitted that that was not where he was aiming to fly to, but he said that they just happened to be there somehow. And Axe and Cassie perked up a little and looked at him in puzzlement. And then Rachel interrupted and pointed out that they now have this male hork hiding in a cave, but the Yurks will keep looking for him. And so what should they do? All the Animorphs looked to Axe. Axe said, I have never known of a free hork They've been slaves for the Yerks for a long time, but it is possible. Maybe somehow, while this hork Yerk was in the Yerk pool, the hork managed to escape. It's possible, and his wife as well, in which case these may be the only free hork in the entire galaxy, the only two free members of their species. What does the hork want to do? Axe asked Tobias and Rachel. Rachel and Tobias stared blankly at each other. You know, Tobias admitted, we never asked. Then I guess that's step one, Jake said. Let's find out what the hork wants. And everybody agreed. But I saw that Cassie, well, Tobias saw that Cassie was still troubled. Under her breath, she muttered, and then let's find out why Tobias was somewhere he didn't mean to be. I don't think anybody else heard her, but I did. Well, I just have one 
the thought that came to mind that was kind of really sad is because, you know, how they're talking about Wax is saying he's never known a free Hork-Bajir. Um, they've been slaves for the Yerks for a very long time. And it just makes me think, like, do the Yerks, um, as Hork-Bajir controllers, like, um, also continue to increase, like, Hork-Bajir population? Ah, uh, that's a fair question. Yeah. I wonder if they did that for the and- Geds as well. Which, you know, which is, so they make more, but then it's like, when do they start infesting them, like, as bees, or, like, it's just, like, sort of sad to think of, like, do Hork for your, Never you know, knowing their free on, Yeah, getting the baby, and then just right there in the baby. I mean, hopefully less crying, but, like, I mean, just, like, <laughs> that just seems really sad. Yeah, or, like, probably a lot of, like, ripping babies away from parents and stuff, you know, like, like, humans did with slavery. Did we, Morgan, you brushed on but i think you said we didn't really ever talk about how yurks uh ever increase in population yeah that gets addressed um sometime in the future i think 19 or 29 because with the marco book with no not the marco book the axe book where uh they went to marco's dad's uh observatory the planetary uh observatory into the telescope and there was the yurk that wanted to take out uh, Visitor 3 and, and really, well, not take out Visitor 3, really undermine him after that Yurk killed, that Yurk's love got killed. So, like, a Yurk loved another Yurk, is yeah. what I'm trying to say in that book. And it was uh, part of a revenge story in trying to get Axe then to cause more trouble for Visitor 3. That is more of the Yurk being an- affected by the human host, which is a thing that gets addressed Really? Because I thought it said that <laughs> that particular Yurk uh is like Esalon was like the Yurk's love that died. And they he said in the same Yurk pool they were together and then they were in Geds or something like that. Oh, uh-huh. And then eventually they were in humans. Oh interesting. Yeah. Well we'll find out uh <laughs> another similar story. But basically Yurks when they reproduce, they die. Oh, like Zoidberg. <laughs> like Zoidberg. Except they also reproduce in threes. Wait, like menage a trois? <laughs> yeah. So they all the three Yurk bodies meld together and and die and they they result in I assume like kind of like bugs, a lot of babies. That's kind of weirdly gross and sexy. <laughs> my, my thought was like, what if romantic? I <laughs> like, what if my thought, my first thought was like, what if the Yurk pools are also just giant mating pits and it's just like a bunch of gross like slug orgy oh, every three like, days you gotta go back to the orgy pool <laughs> right <laughs> okay this still is a book for children right <laughs> yes i've never claimed this to be a podcast for children. <laughs> this podcast is not for children <laughs> now i need to look up exactly what book that shows up in but definitely a yerk mentions like we don't know our parents so we don't have bond we don't bond with our parents because they all die i mean honestly it seems like you guys are your parents <laughs> it's like... weird okay interesting yeah very steven universe also it says on seropedia yurks are genderless but are generally referred to by the gender of their primary host or the host gender they most frequently we did talk identify about that as. before yes that seems just like a lot of steps <laughs> to like just like give this give the yurk a gender it's like okay <laughs> Sure. I mean, like, whatever the, whatever the Yurk wants to be called, but it's just, like, if they're gonna stick with one anyway, like, if it seems like if it's, like, because they, they gender Visitor 3 as he. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then 
And Chapman is he. So like, I guess what their host is, but then I guess it's because we don't see them, Ben Shierks, in between hosts. So we don't know, I guess, exactly how they refer to themselves as between hosts. But maybe it's just like simplicity for the author's sake, where I'm like, this seems like a lot of steps that we don't ever see the in-between steps to make it seem different when they always just do like the one thing. I mean, it kind of also goes into like, we're talking about all sorts of alien species in the sci-fi series, but in all actuality, there's a lot of things adopted onto the alien species that you're just like, okay, we just assume you're okay with like eating all these plants and vegetation. And that just somehow magically agrees with you on a different planet and a different uh, solar system. Uh, And let alone like gendering each other when that wasn't existent where you evolved and so there's just a lot of like innate human elements that are obviously it's fun to pull out and remind like wait a minute like these minutes and how you calculate time really isn't how you probably would uh, calculate it on your andalite home world as well so yeah we're very much putting human-esque things onto aliens mm-hmm. that... Yeah, because like, projecting, projecting to yeah, try yeah. to understand them better, because that's what we kind of do as a species. <laughs> okay, Tobias and Axe decided it was best they go and approach the hork in the cave, as they couldn't be certain that this wasn't somehow an elaborate yerk trap, and they wanted to protect the other animorphs, uh, so, like, the yerks can't find out that they're humans. So the other four animorphs waited in their morphs in the woods as uh, in near, nearby for backup. Tobias called out in thought speak that they were coming into the small cave to talk to this hork Axe pushed aside the brush in his andalite form and the hork reacted. Huthrin, andalite, he shouted, a bladed arm slashed, missing Axe's head by inches. Axe jerked back and cocked his tail to strike. No, Tobias yelled. Listen there, you weed-whacking-looking jerk. Calm down. An axe man, take it easy. The bladed arm withdrew slowly and Axe relaxed his tail. Tobias asked the hork to come out of the cave. He did and introduced himself as Jara Hami. Jara Hami pointed out to Axe that uh, he's an Andalite and Andalites kill hork and hork must kill Andalites then. And Marco said dryly, this is going really well. And he's saying new words for the, from that Barney song. I kill you, you kill me. We're an alien family. Andalites tried to save the hork from Yurks, Axe said, sounding a little defensive. The hork stared at Axe's face. You dark gap. You fail. I'm trying to say some alien words here, guys, so please bear with me. <laughs> Kruthrin <laughs> yeah, and Darkap. Whatever you come up with is uh, great. Kalashi. <laughs> yes, we failed. But I'm here now, and I don't kill Hork Bajirak, said, unless they're tools of the Yerks. Jara Hami boasted that he escaped the Yerks. He was free, pressing his hands against his head. How do we know you're free? asked. Axe asked skeptically. (laughs) Jarahami stared down at him, and then he slashed his wrist blade to his head. He opened up his own head, showing the gash to them right into his brain. He held the gash together right afterwards, and the wound started to quickly congeal and scab over. Did you see a yurka in that head? Tobias asked Axe shakily. No, Axe said, just as shaken as Tobias was. (laughs) No yurk. Did that scare the pee out of you, Axeman, or does that kind of thing bother you, Andalites? I am as peeless as you, Tobias, my friend. (laughs) That was good. I just want to go back a second real quick because Axe is like, we tried to save the Hork-Bajir from the Yerks. We failed, yes, but why did... 
we failed, yes, but we did try. Why should they hate us? And it's very, like, I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be similar to U.S. propaganda because we get the real story later in Horkbusier Chronicles' next book. And it's, like, an American saying, we tried to save the Vietnamese from communism. Why would they hate us? <laughs> like, many reasons. <laughs> well, I feel like we kind of saw this a little bit... Um... I was alluded to in a previous book is that um, because of that law, like the Andalites basically, it, it's like we tried to help, but we really couldn't do anything because we had this stupid the law. So we were sort law. of just like, yeah, ser- so we were sort of just like there. <laughs> like, like I don't, yeah. like I don't think you guys really tried that hard. Or really, probably did much. It's kind of like of I think a similar laws. law that they'd have uh, in like Star Trek is like explore, but do not try to somehow affect uh, other words. The yeah, directive, uh, yeah, other worlds, and similar thing. It, you you yeah. can't interact. Uh, let's just let's bring all the franchises in here from Jurassic World. You can't. <laughs> In Jurassic Park, you can't uh, not interact with an area and expect uh, no consequences to happen or things to change from your interactions. <laughs> like, whatever you study will yeah, be and in, in In Andalite law, it's Ciro's kindness, and it's more like you can't give technology to a quote-unquote inferior species, um, but you can interfere. So it's basically like they they aren't going to help them, but they can, quote unquote, try to interfere to save them from the Yerks. Everybody's rules between Andalites and Elemists really just aren't that helpful. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, they're, yeah, very more annoying, very not helpful. It's, is it just me? It seems very, like, middle management or... Am I, am I, I could be crazy. Yeah, the Andalites are middle management. Tell, tell me if I'm crazy, but I'm like, this seems very, like, bootstraps, like, conservative logic. It's like, we're not going to help you. We're not going to make these programs for you. We're not going to give you things that actually would make a difference. But we're going to, like, give you some bullshit about, like... Yeah. And it's funny because later... Uh, Axe has the same similar vitriol towards the the Elemist, and it's funny because that's how the Horkbajir feel about the Andalites. And he's like, "Why don't? Why do they hate us?" And it's like, "Well, why do you hate the Elemist, Axe?" That's probably very similar mm-hmm. reasoning. Yep. Tobias told. Oh, Are you good, Jason? I I was gonna have a tangent, so I'll hold it. It's about Barney. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, what is your tangent about Barney? <laughs> Okay, when I was younger, my brother told me that um, one time on TV, Barney slapped a kid. (laughs) I don't think I've ever been able to see that or find anything out about that again. It could have been my brother just messing with me, but um, maybe Barney did slap a kid on TV (laughs) back in the days. Maybe one of the people under the Barney suit just really had it. (laughs) You Google Barney slaps. And you get How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah. Flatbed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. That was a beautiful tangent. I really appreciated that. <laughs> no, Marco, not every woman goes goo-goo over babies. <laughs> yeah. Some laugh when Barney slaps children if, he, if it's true or not. <laughs> <laughs> If anybody has that video, <laughs> please at Metalmorph on Twitter. <laughs> Tobias told him that it wasn't necessary. Jara Hamis said it was to prove them that he could be trusted. 
he needed their help. He needed to rescue his wife back, the one who escaped with him, his Kalashi. Not Khaleesi, Kalashi. Axe and Tobias were convinced. <laughs> Jarahami's story checked out, and just then Cassie called down to them that they have company approaching. And that's the end of my section. Whoop whoop. Woo. Go for it, Jason. We are gonna carry the ball. <laughs> we are gonna be getting <laughs> Woo. Okay, um, we're gonna be getting into basically action scene ghosts. Yeah. Um, that's two for all y'all that don't know Spanish. Because um, we covered Twa today, so. <laughs> um, yes, we did. <laughs> um, knee in Japanese. Yep. Ichi knee is done. Um, okay, let's see. So Cassie, um, Cassie says, we have company. And I actually thought this was kind of. The, I guess it, it's like the first time it's like what kind of company Cassie I heard Jake snap and I was like I was like why is he mad at Cassie is he just like upset I don't know because usually when I hear someone I snaps just... at someone it's just sort of like what did she do I, know, Jake... I think he's just snapping into leadership mode I don't know Jake is okay on a short leash I just read it as like stop being great <laughs> <laughs> like... or he's annoyed at her for not being more specific I'm like, guys, do you, want, do you want specificity or do you want to, like, expedition, ex, expediency? Like, it's not going to happen. Okay, so um, Cassie's like, well, 15, maybe 20 people, um, they're strung out in the line, so they're coming towards them. Um, also, an equal number coming from the southeast. So, basically, they're going to be um, out, outflanked. Pincer attack. And, and that's what Ra- and that's what Rachel said. And then she's like, "Oh man, they have Hork Bajir with them, and it's not even dark, and they're bringing Hork Bajir." So this th- this is all an exclamation point. So basically, um, Rachel's like, "Shit, they're like they're really after these Hork Bajir, and they are willing like to risk like ex- exposure." So so it just means the Yorks are wild and dangerous right now. They're desperate. Um, so they really want the, the Hork Bajir. So, you know, they're talking about, um, you know, escaping and it's late in dinner time and they've got to get to their parents. So they're, it's, it's funny because most of the kids besides Tobias are like, we have to get back for dinner time dark, maintaining our personality or our personas, you know, regular ch- child personas. And I feel like Tobias is sort of also on the outside, just like not obviously having that issue. But I'm also like, guys, I feel like it's like the least of your worries right now. Yeah. And I know like Marco was, I think, trying to be funny, but I think it was also trying to be serious because like Jake also, I feel like had like the same thing too about trying to get home in time. I mean, granted, they don't want to be grounded, but still, I was like, okay. Um, so Axe is like, we can just more small animals and get away. And, um, but they're like, well, what about Jara? Which also Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jorah. Um, so um, that obviously not going to work. So they're going to make a distraction. And Tobias obviously comes up with the idea. But this is where you sort of get Tobias is like, sort of his like, not, not emo, but he gets down on himself. And I feel like he doesn't value his contributions himself to the team. He's one of the most contributing ones to the team. Yeah, he does. He does a lot. He 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 rakes his talons towards so many people's eyes. He guns. saves their asses <laughs> from being aerial and up above so often. And he's like right? done distractions and guided people away from him. Scouting. scouting. No, Tobias like yeah. pulls more than most on the team. Honestly, I'd say the laggers sometimes are like Jake, maybe Marco. 
I feel like Cassie feels the same way or it felt the same way, at least in book nine. Mm -hmm. She just, they both don't like to come up with ideas that will put other people into danger. And so that's, and that's part of like his arc right now, Tobias is, is that he's has an idea, but he hates the fact that the idea is going to put someone else yeah. in danger. But I feel like it stems from the fact that like he can't do it himself necessarily. But I'm like, Tobias, you put yourself in danger like all the and time. You, like, yeah, and you are like much more well aware of everything that can eat you now than ever before. <laughs> There's a lot more that you are in danger <laughs> of and you still put yourself in danger. Yeah, and it, but it's like, Mar- uh, like Marco's a gorilla. Jake is a tiger. You're a bird. You get shot with a machine gun. Like you are most certainly dead. Like the gorilla, depending on what you shoot, might be able to live and the tiger, like, you know, an easier time just like not immediately just be like, blown to bits like i don't know i just feel like tobias is always yeah. is like the most at risk but either way so <laughs> they're gonna get a distraction tobias has an idea he doesn't like it because it's gonna put other people in danger and um so basically tobias's idea is like y'all one of you morph a hork bajir as the distraction so that you can draw the yurks off for you and marco's like ew and i'm like guys this is literally the best idea you've had <laughs> in like weeks <laughs> like finally Finally, <laughs> you're going to acquire like like a the, good, you know, awesome morph, like battle morph, like the best battle morph. Rachel they just still got Wizard Three when they had uh, his Andalite form available to yeah. to morph, but this is a good one. <laughs> Yes, yes, so they're finally baby steps. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, I mean, I guess Axe could have acquired him, but if uh, one of the human animorphs had acquired uh, the Visor 3's host, then he would have, when he got reinfested, seen who they were, you know? Yeah. Visor 3 would have been able to see those memories. Well, that's why you cut off his eye stalks. And turn his head, or talon them, or whatever, talon them, and then take them off. I don't know. Are you going to be kind? He wanted to die. You could at least mutilate him and get his DNA. Like, I'm just saying. Another another gory idea from Jason, everyone. If, I'm just saying, if I was the leader, business would be different here. You might, if Jason was writing these books, it might have been more horrific and really gross everybody out more than what we've been, like, alluded to. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm just getting the job done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... This is where one thing Cassie brought up that I was like, kind of like, girl, get over it again. Cassie was having like some ethical qualms because he's sentient, he's self-aware, and I'm like, girl, you know you don't get the memories. Like, just yeah, right. Just take the thing, like asking for it. I'm like, guys, this is not like (laughs) this is not the time (laughs) right now. Like Cassie, like like stop. Yeah, but but and I then she's like, "I'm just saying, get permission, but whatever you decide, do it quickly." It's like, yeah, we're wasting time talking about <laughs> this. this. <laughs> like, ask now, forgive later, uh, or do now, forgive later. But uh, basically, surprise, surprise, who volunteers to do this? Mm-hmm. Rachel, which I love because it was totally Rachel. Like, yes, give the trigger happy teenager, <laughs> like a blade, the blade, blade lizard, bladed everything. <laughs> uh, and she's like. Um, She's, like, called Dibs, and Axe is, like, Dibs? And he's, like, yeah, I spoke first. And I was, like, Rachel's, like, way too happy about this. <laughs> so she, um, she acquired, well, they have uh, Jara turn away so they can't see, obviously, again, because if they get recaptured, then they, um, the Yurk would know. So Jara doesn't look, closes his eyes. Rachel acquires him. 
Um, and so they basically get that. Oh, and just to recap, so Hork-Bajir look like giant seven-foot-tall bladed bird monsters. Like, they have a beak, they have blades on their elbows, wrists, um, they have like a spiky dinosaur tail. Yeah, blades on their head. They have um, T-Rex feet. I think they have an extra blade on their feet, too. I think it's either the back one or one of uh, I think it's on their calves, right? They have blades on their calves. They have talons on their feet. They have blades on their calves, blades on their elbows and forearms, bladed tail. Oh, I found a diagram. They kind of have spikes down their back like um, like dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm Googling it. I found a... I found fan art of a hork himbo. Himbo, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Himbajir. <laughs> yeah, elbow blades, beaks, um, big claws. So yeah, they're uh, they're big monster boys. And Rachel, of course, mm-hmm. loves it. God bless the internet. Um, also, I read something <laughs> where... Um, so basically, so basically Cassie's like, guys, they're really getting close. I can see them now. You got like two minutes maximum. Um, Rachel gives a cocky wink. I read it, cocky twink. Um, so just, I don't know. I'm just reading weird things. Um, but basically, Rachel starts morphing. And Tobias is like, again, they always talk about like when a new morph happens, about how weird it is. And so uh, she's basically just like, again, all the blades just pouring out of her. And she's getting lizardy, uh, mutated feet from dainty. She just was allergic to alligators. How is she not allergic to hork <laughs> She's done fish, I guess. But like, so she's not allergic to all non-mammals. I'm just saying, hork seems more similar to reptiles than, than most. <laughs> Let's just chalk it up to alien. Yeah, okay. Continue. <laughs> um... And so uh, her eyes narrowed red tinged slits. Then the blades began to appear, you know, so from her horn blades, from her forehead, wrists, elbows, blades grew at her knees. Um, she also had a smooth, they also, I guess, smooth as a bullet, which was an interesting choice of words for her, <laughs> for her jaw, um, and her elongating face. Um, so they're, you know, a green black, very, very dark, very dark, um, and very tall like shack size so that's pretty much how they describe this and she's like okay so this is a hork bajir um and so jara's eyes they basically see each other so jara's basically looking at himself um which is interesting but uh basically you know they're they're screaming marco's like shut up and then there's a little bit of blade action here rachel slices uh jara and then jara moves like a forward stop with his big feet and like almost freaking rips her stomach open and people are like freaking out but then cassie um no, no, Tobias is like, wait, I think it's just a ritual, which is, I'm, I guess, I guess how he got that from, you know, maybe a sort of a dominance thing. I mean, that's a pretty instant stretch to get when he knows nothing about hork but um, <laughs> I, it, it turns out it most likely is. <laughs> Tobias in uh, David Attenborough's voice just goes, uh, in the wild, as you see, hork they can uh, occasionally perform <laughs> a dominance ritual when two uh, adult males come in contact with each other, especially if they're <laughs> identical copies of one another. <laughs> it was just, it kind of reminded me of like, again, the, um, the, from the last book, The Alligator, the Crocodile. Crocodile. It was the crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, where you know, morph that thing and then they had to basically had the fight itself. So basically, Tobias is like, Rachel, are you okay in there? She's like, what? What? 
<laughs> she's like confused and like she got very Wrapped you know dealing with the work pressure mm-hmm. yeah the instincts you know mm-hmm. the first time morphing a creature can you know really come to the surface but it seems like yeah she definitely got caught which i was like this is so rachel getting caught up in some violent morphs instincts and going crazy and it's like oh this is classic classic rachel um, so basically the Pranjara back in the cave and then Rachel's going to be acting as a distraction. And then Jake is like, remember, we're not looking for a fight, Rachel. Again, we're not looking about a fight. And Rachel's like, mm, sure. And it's like, ah, <laughs> ah, this is classic again. Um, she's slashing the air, trying out her blades. And I'm like, oh Lord, here we go. Here we go. So, and Tabas is like, you get back out of this. <laughs> and Marco's like, I'll bet you 10 bucks. She says, let's do it. And then we're just like, let's go for it. <laughs> and so <laughs> still got a little sense of humor, <laughs> which is great. And so basically, th- basically the Hork- the enemy Horkbajir controllers suddenly appear. And um, I think it's two Horkbajir with the human controllers. Um, they didn't see Marco. Marco basically is in a gorilla slaps down one of the hork um that would have split a telephone pole apparently and one of the humans just also cried because it went um i was you know very very surprised but tobias i thought this was really cute too it basically goes onto rachel's uh for like horn like a uh, forehead horn blade i guess a horn is on the head <laughs> instinctually i don't know but yeah. um so horn blade on her head <laughs> um and basically as a little perch which i thought was actually kind of really mm-hmm. cute and um, Rachel's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm just hitching a ride. <laughs> Not going to be left out. And they totally get into it. And basically, and Cassie, so they're, you know, chasing the controllers. And then Cassie's like, guys, stop chasing the controllers. They're setting up a trap. Um, they're leading you to two bunches of bad guys. So they're like, okay, they turn around. They're going through all this. And then Rachel, like, falls, fall, like, she trips, she falls forward, and, you know, obviously throws, you know, her and Tobias just off balance. She, they're caught on bushes, slice, slice, those are no match. And um, he's trying to get back on the Rachel's horns, but, like, this is also where it gets funky again. He's like, but Tobias is like, I must have overshot my goal because suddenly I was flying through the air. And so, you know, this is obviously very you know, very different sort of scenes. You know, you're up in the air versus, like, down below the trees, like, trying to get on a hork horn. And he's like, wait a minute, this is impossible. How did I get here? I hadn't even flown. I'd barely hopped, he hopped. And so, again, space shenanigans. We, we see Something this coming, guys. going on. <laughs> right? And it's clear. So, and, like, Cassie was farther away than how she had been before. And he's just, like, Tobias is very confused. Um, Here's a human voice saying, freeze, freeze, or put the next shot in your heart. And this is where he basically comes along the the second Hork-Bajir, the Kalishi. And so, with that, he, like, one of the human controllers starts to, like, uh, uh, Tobias thinks she's... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, Tobias thinks the human controller is like shaking or vibrating, but it turns out the human controller is demorphing. Shocker! Who do we know on the York side that can do that? It's Visor Three, remorphing from human into Andalite, and um, Tobias like you know again reiterates greatest enemy, murderer of Axe's brother Elfangor. Um, you know, you can just tell he's evil because like, he talks about how the Andalites seem sort of like sort of like peaceful, like naturally, like sort of their vibe, but. Visor 3 is, like, completely opposite of that. Like, he seems, he just, like, radiates evil, which is, again, a consistent description of him. So, with that, Tobias is basically, you know, overlooking Visor 3 and other controllers surrounding the the female uh, Hork-Bajir. 
And he's just basically like, okay, um, what are we going to do about this? Um, and he can't, Jake and Rachel are too far away for his thoughts to speak. And so it's basically him versus the world. And so, um, Visor 3. I want to just oh, interject here because I got confused at this point. So obviously Tobias was moved over. Uh, by some unknown forces away from where he was with Rachel and now he's like in a different part of the forest now seeing Visor 3 turn out from a human controller to his Andalite form but somehow during all this time in the afternoon the other hork Bajir has still been able to get away from after getting hit by the truck and still like not be fully captured or reinfested by Yerkes again that's why I was like there's been some time going on like what happened to her that hork Bajir go on after they were helping out you know the husband, Jeremy. I agree. I was yeah. I was also very intrigued or impressed that she was like. I had to, expected her to be reinvested at this point, you know, and that they would probably like make her as a your controller hunt down her husband or something. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think she got from the truck knocked into yeah. like a ditch, and so they she was able to kind of hide in there for a little bit. But, and then she was still yeah, being. I agree like, that it's uh, unclear. it's unclear, like that she was still somehow out of their grasp. I thought she had been captured at that point. It sounded like she was captured. Well, I guess yeah. I guess this is a pleasant surprise slash okay. twist for the reader. Um, so, uh, and this is actually another great little piece of information. Visor three, of course, is doing his um, open mic thought speak, <laughs> and so he says, "Well, well, Ket Halpak." I'm probably not saying that last <laughs> one right, but um, that's your name, isn't it? Your original hork name? You run us a nice chase, but it's time to come home now. Um, but we learn, basically, Jaroha means Kalishi. His wife's name is Ket Halpak. So that's great. So now we've got Jaroha and Ket Halpak. Um, so that's great. Um, Tobias obviously realizes this. And so he's like, you know, we've got to save her. She obviously hasn't been recaptured yet. But then Tobias like those stock eyes, the damn stock eyes, um, turning this way and that, always looking in every direction, made it impossible for sneak attacks. Unless there was another distraction. <laughs> so distraction number two. So Tobias knows there's a Swainson's hawk that tends to roost in this particular area. And it's starting to get dark now. So it's, you know, we're in the afternoon. Now it's starting to get into the evening time. Light is fading. His hawk eyes aren't going to be as great anymore. So now he's basically got to try to make all this noise to see if there's other hawk. Use it as a distraction. So he starts screaming hawk scream. And um, hoping that it would... Um, the Swan- Swanson's, Swainson's hawk would, would hear him. And basically he, at the same time, was basically pulling back his wings and then diving straight for Visor 3. So he's hoping that the timing works, because if he's not, he's dead. Um, but, you know, as he's, you know, screeching and heading down Visor, towards Visor 3, he uh, hears a rustling sound from uh, the elm tree. And from the corner of his eyes, he sees wings flapping, and so the Swainson's was coming out to defend his territory against his pushy red tail. And so Tobias is really relieved, and then um, Visitor 3 is like, that bird, it's probably one of them, pointing at the Swainson's, which was the distraction, which is great. And then what um, uh, Tobias does is rakes his talons um, uh, to Visitor 3's exposed stock eyes from behind, which I thought was really cool. I was like, yes, take them off. <laughs> Just <laughs> ruin them. I was like, fuck you, Visitor 3. So that was great. So that's great. Visitor 3 is partially blinded. Um, the Hork-Bajir, he, um, 
mine speaks to the Horkbashir now run uh, to Ket, and so the Horkbashir bolts, they flap, they basically just run away, and you see, Tobias sees that the Swainson Hawk also gets away. Vizier 3 is pissed, and Tobias is happy. Um, a little bit of skipping time. For once. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of skipping time, and Jara and uh, Tobias leads Ket back to the cave where Jara is. I want to uh, underline and highlight it. The Swainson Hawk was to get out of there free, and even though Tobias used it as potential bullet fodder. The other hawk was yeah. not harmed yep. in the making of this Tobias escapee plan. <laughs> Everybody wins, basically. So it was great. It was like a good, nobody's dead yet. Or hurt. <laughs> um, so basically, it's evening time. Everybody's tired from a full day of shenanigans and danger. And, you know, Marco and Cassie are both running about being home late again. Um, everybody's getting close to the two hour morph limit. And, you know, the Harkers are reunited, which is great. <laughs> they notice, you know, they don't exactly hug. And he's like, Tobias, like, maybe the blades are an impediment here. It's like porcupine love. <laughs> yeah. Rachel's still in her hork morph. Again, they're like, we need to get home or else we're going to be grounded. You know, this isn't really going to work. Tobias says, you know, your mom wouldn't ground a Packard Foundation outstanding student, would she? And then there was, of course, embarrassing silence. And I know, like, it's not that big. I feel like I wasn't supposed to know about Rachel's award, but you guys already talked about it, you know, which I thought yeah. was a little bit weird. I was like, okay. So they're trying to figure out what to do with these guys. Basically, Tobias is like, you guys all go home. I'll keep, me and Axel keep watch over them in the cave until, you know, the next day. And so that's great. Axel and Tobias, I like their friendship. Just going to say that again. It's, you know, good little forest buddies. Basically, um, Jara and Ket, you guys stay in the cave until we get you tomorrow sometime. And Jara's like, what are you guys going to do with us? And Jake's like, you know, we don't really know. Um, but just wait here. Be safe. Ket is like, we felana, We thank you. Oh, that's great. That's sweet. And so now it's basically dark. You know, like not where there's stars in the sky, but that sort of, you know, right before sort of a time. They're talking about little conservation, like endangered species, repopulation, where do we put these people, you know, them, all of that the same goodness. same kind of verbiage and that the Alamist might have used a few books ago. <laughs> yeah. About, you know, we'll take you to this planet where you'll be safe because you'll be in endangered, all that stuff. And we you expect know, you to get sure. busy. Biz <laughs> A. Okay, so they're basically, you know, what do we do with them, you know? all that stuff. Um, then suddenly Tobias is like, I know a place way up in the mountains, a valley. There are caves and freshwater streams and it's hidden. But Tobias is like, he could picture it very clearly. He could see it perfectly in his mind, but it feels like he's never been there before. You know, he's not exactly sure where it is, but he can picture it so clearly and perfectly. So, you know, he's trying to figure out how and why, which is also sort of an important thing because if they're taking them there tomorrow morning, he's got to figure it out quickly. <laughs> but he's obviously not telling everybody that. He's keeping that part to himself. Everybody just knows that he knows a place. And um, yeah. So that's fantastic. Let's just, you know. They'll, he doesn't tell them that, yeah, though. They're uh, winging it. As <laughs> <laughs> they usually yeah. Tobias is keeping watch over them. He's not in his usual perch, but, you know, he's on a tree, perched, you know, watching. He talks about, you know, nighttime predators, raccoons, foxes, wolves. Really only has to worry about the occasional raccoon climbing a tree. He really talks about owls, how he's scared of owls because they see in the nighttime so perfectly and they're silent when they fly. So a little bit of Tobias Hawk fears. And uh, also he has a real big panic attack when uh, Rachel comes in her owl morph and scares the hell out of him in the middle of the night <laughs> when that does happen well see when, yeah. I, when i first read this i was like why has nobody made tobias a birdhouse again like <laughs> right I, I, I mean like jake has a, like 
uh, a whole attic that Tobias could go roost in. Rachel has her little like bird um, stand outside her window. She can make more of an enclosure. Like if he wanted to, there's there's some safer places to be in like the suburbia that is most of the Animorphs homes. <laughs> right. And even-, even if you just made him a birdhouse, like he can work a little door on it. Yeah, he's smart and he's human <laughs> on the inside. Like I thought I was just thinking that the whole time I was like, guys, you're leaving your friend to like fend for like- themselves and have yeah, like barely. Yeah, I, I I don't think you sleep that deeply when you have that many predators uh, potentially around you. It's like six pieces of wood, everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I w- that was just my thought about that whole thing. So, you know, and, and Tobias shakes us off. So it's like, well, I guess everybody has their own problems, right? <laughs> like, yeah, sure thing, buddy. Um, and thermals are mentioned again, which is because he's like, at the night, it's harder because there's no thermals when the sun is up and the thermals are piling up the tall clouds and the high breezes. You know, it sounds great. Okay, <laughs> so. Applegate, like... I don't know, meteorologists or like really into the weather something <laughs> at one point. <laughs> Maybe that's I, all she knows that much about birds or something. <laughs> is that this is the first fact she learned. She's writing it, it into every book. down hard, double down. <laughs> is it really that important for birds? Probably, right? Or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the ones that glide. Yeah. I'll ask the next albatross I see. <laughs> Thermals off the mm-hmm. ocean. Um, so Tobias is also having a little moment of, um, I guess, like human envy. You know, thinking about uh, Cassie, Jake, Marco, and Rachel all asleep in their beds, covers pulled up, pillows fluffed, alarm clocks. Um, so, you know, he's having a little bit of that. And then he hears a sound and his eyes opens and it's just Axe. And they, you know, just talk very quickly, you know, no... Um, Axe hasn't picked up any enemy presence, but uh, Tobias says, you know, the knights have gotten better since Axe has joined him. Again, they're little forest buddies, which I really like, um, which is really cute. Um, and he, um, Axe basically talks about, you know, the hork never being a very intellectual species, and Tobias picks up that Axe said it with a little bit of snobbery, which again, we're seeing the parallels with the elements to everybody else, the Andalites to the hork you know, I think it's again this... And I guess also part of why the Yorks hate the Andalites too much. So I guess the Andalites really have a reputation of being a, like elitists, Pract- probably what space racists, purists. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure, they are colonizers essentially. I mean, I don't think they're as co- they're. I mean, obviously the Yorks are more of colonizers, but the Andalites are as well. They're they're the colonizer U.S. people going in to fight the scourge of communism. Like <laughs> <laughs> we freed you with our violence. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you may not have asked for it, but we learn a little bit more about the Horkbusher language. Axe says, you know, he says their language was primitive. There was only about five hundred words, um, and he says, you know, that's what we learned about school in anyway. These Horkbusher know a little bit of English words, probably because they were taught that. The, as your controllers, they were taught that just, you know, to be able to function with the human controllers and you know, do their mission on Earth. Um, but we know their language is not very, their spoken language is not very developed um, or, you know, intricate. Tobias was also sort of eavesdropping, not on purpose, but, you know, with great hawk ear- ears, was also heard a word called, they said sound like kawat naj. Um, and access he doesn't know that. Um, he doesn't really speak hork bajir, but, you know, they'll ask them tomorrow. Um, and Tobias like, maybe you shouldn't. They don't really seem to like Andalites. And again, Axe is like, we tried to save them with a sudden burst of anger, but we failed, but we did try. 
So uh, Tobias, I think, tries to make him feel better. It's like, maybe it's just because of the Thurks in their head so long that, you know, they sort of absorb some of this hatred for the Andalites. Um, so, you know, a little bit about that. So with that, all of a sudden, Tobias just, like, freezes. You know, there, there really isn't, like, a build-up to this. It's just, like, mid-sentence when he's talking to Axe, is just like, I froze. Taxons! So... Basically, they were crawling through the, these toxins are crawling through the woods. He could see them in his mind. You know, the, then they give the whole description, huge centipedes, you know, big and round as a redwood tree, dozens of rows of noodle sharp legs, and so, you know, all that stuff, jelly glob eyes. Axe asked Tobias, something concerned, and Tobias like, taxons. They are definitely taxons coming. And this is another weird thing, is where it, it just says that he can see them in his mind's eye, but doesn't really des- describe him picking them up for any other sense. You know, height, uh, sight, or hearing, uh, which again is, I think, the spoopy, like something, something weird is going on with this thing. Axe is like, "Where are they?" And he, Tobias is like, "I'm not exactly sure, but you know, they're coming." Because he can't really, Tobias himself can't really pick out anything strange. Just knows that you know they're coming. And again, Axe, Tobias is like, "Axe, you know who I'm just talking about? Knowing things they couldn't possibly know. It's happening again." And uh, there's like a dozen taxons. Uh, somehow they can smell the hork bajir like bloodhounds. Axe looks grim, and he's like, "Those." are taxon trackers and they can basically track like anything and they will not give up so with that they basically just have to run away so with that they're gonna take the um they just have to basically go now like they don't have time to like wait for everybody to come back in the morning they have to go now and lead these hork to the mountains so with that uh, Tobias has Axe go to the others to rally them, and then it wakes up the hork and is like, Taxons, we gotta move it. Uh, so that's what they do. They head on out in yeah. pursuit. And that is where we are going to we stop are. for this episode. You guys have something to look forward to for the next episode. What is the, gonna be the Actually, chase? more that- action with the rest of this book. The chase, again, is on. It's never really stopped. It's just paused a few times, but it is on. And um, if you... What did I say earlier about... Oh, yeah. It's, find me a description of your reproductive <laughs> systems because I forgot. I can't find it. I'm at Morgan underscore Slay. Or you can send us your Animorphs memes at Middlemorph on Twitter if you find one that's good. It's not on Seropedia or anything? Um, it's It doesn't seem to be in the Seropedia page for Yerks, but... Um, I think I'm going to have to find the specific book that it's in. And I have like a few. It's either in 16, 19, or 29. Jeez. Okay, then. <laughs> so. <laughs> She's on a quest. Anyway, uh, Jason, how can people how can people get in touch with you? People can find me on the Twitter um, at bottomus underscore prime. Um, yeah, that's all, that's all you get. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. All right. What about I you, am Kate? not on social media. So, you know, if you want to get a message to me, maybe like spell out your message in a cool Lego formation. And even better yet, get on uh, Lego Masters and I'll be watching it and I'll get the message that way. But if that's a little too much for you. You can email us at middlemorph at gmail.com. And also, please, if you like this podcast, like and send us a review on any of the platforms you listen on. It really helps for other people to find the podcast and we can get all together as an Animorph community and basically geek out. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. All right, guys, we'll see you next time for part two of book number 13, The Change. Bye, everybody. Legos. Legos. (laughs) (laughs) Legos.